0: Was at Carmine Street looking for a bat book I'd heard on bat books for beginners And got a trade Jerry and Chris got me hooked I heard it on Bat books for beginners Wahoo Bat books for beginners Wahoo, he's the Cape and Cal Gen, Bruce Wayne, not Clark Kent, patrolling the streets of Gotham. He's the enemy of sin, like Joker and Penguin. You should meet his butler. Wahoo, Bat Books for Beginners. Wahoo, Bat Books for Beginners.
1: Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 174. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story
2: arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read.
1: Today's Bat Book that Chris and I are covering is Nightwing. Brothers in Blood. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. Thank you very much,
2: Jerry. Hello, Batfans. Thank you for downloading and spending some of your day with us. Nightwing, Brothers in Blood, is a soft cover 168-page trade paperback that was cover dated March 2007 and had a cover price of $14.99. Interestingly... Online sources have conflicting information as to how many issues (laughs) were in this book. Mm. For the sake of our episode and what Jerry and I read, we'll cover issues of Nightwing number 118, which was covered dated March 2006, through Nightwing number 124, which was covered dated November 2006. As with previous one year later stories that we examined, the first two issues were covered dated, uh, like I said, March 2006. They had the cover price of $2.50, and the latter issues were priced at $2.99. Now, as with the previous one year later individual issues, the first chapter, and in this case Nightwing number 118, did have a second printing with a different background cover. But there appears to be little to no difference in pricing with the back issue market. The issues and trade paperback appear to be available on Comicsology. If you're interested in obtaining this as a hard copy, you may be better off getting the individual issues through your local comic shop or online vendors, as pricing appears to be much more much significantly less as online vendors appear to be selling individual issues for about half the cover half the cover price hmm. and the cheapest copy of the trade paperback that I could find online was $22
1: hmm.
2: yep now as per usual for our creative team I'm going to go off my memory and some online resources for our writer we had Bruce Jones These would be the only issues of Nightwing that Jones would write, so take that as you will. (laughs) That said, the first time I noticed Bruce Jones' work was in the early 1980s on the Pacific Comics horror title Twisted Tales, and later, The Twisted Tales of Bruce Jones, which was published by Eclipse Comics, which in my opinion exemplified not just some of the best horror comics of its time, but some of the best horror comic books ever, period. More about this later. Jones was born in 1946 and he's from Kansas City, Missouri. Before his work in Pacific Comics, Jones wrote some stories for Marvel Comics. Kazar or Kazar depending on your pronunciation. You say Kazar, I say Kazar. Let's go. <laughs> the- <No. laughs> and Conan, and he also wrote for the Warren Magazine's Creepy and Eerie, uh-huh. including the classic horror story Jennifer, which was illustrated by Bernie Wrightson and appeared in Creeper number 63, cover dated July 1974, considered by many, many horror comics fans a masterpiece. The story Jennifer was reprinted in color in and- the Pacific Comics title, Bernie Wrightson, Master of the Macabre, number two, which came out in 1983. I enjoyed a mini series he also wrote called Rip in Time, that was illustrated by Rich Corbin, that came out in the 1980s. He's a novelist, he's an artist, and a screenwriter. Joan bounced from Marvel and DC, doing numerous works and long, long lists of credits in both of the big two companies, and he did get some notoriety for his work on the Incredible Hulk title from 2001 to 2005. But I can't recall what recent work he's done. The pencils in this trade were done by Joe Dodd, Paco Diaz, and Robert... Terashani, the inks were done by bit. Unfortunately, and, and this is a first for me, I didn't find much information or background for our pencilers. I can tell you that Joe Dodd has some artwork for sale on the internet, and he displays his work on the DVN art website. I did a little bit better with Paco Diaz, he's a native of Spain, and he has more Marvel credits than DC under his belt. And he's done work for Deadpool, Dark Wolverine, and the more recent Hawkeye Blind Spot miniseries. Hmm. I found very little on Robert Terashani. With respect to DC, this was the only work he's done for this publisher, other than something else called The Saga, The Seven Sons Veiled Alliance, which I have to confess I'm not familiar with. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, Bit was an inker. He was mentioned on a previous podcast. He's done many numerous uh, inking credits for DC. The covers were done by Jock. Jock, another artist previously mentioned on our show, he's a native of Scotland and he was born Mark Simpson. Jock is still very active and he's one of the more prolific artists right now. Uh, my favorite cover art that he did on this series was for Nightwing number one twenty four, which depicts Nightwing falling from the building against a dark skied cityscape with birds in the black. Background. Uh, I'm going to leave the listeners a bit of suspense, so I'm going to refrain from giving some of the online reviews and ratings for this book, which may be perhaps something of a tell in and of itself. And with that, I will turn it back over to you, Jerry.
1: Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from our friends.
2: Xenozoic Xenophiles,
0: a fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales.
2: It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren.
0: We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz.
2: Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher.
0: And find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com.
1: Welcome back. Here is the story of Nightwing, Brothers in Blood. A year after the events of Infinite Crisis, a crime fighter in a Nightwing outfit is hunting criminals in New York City. However, when he defeats them, he is willing to kill them. This can't be Dick Grayson, can it? If not, who is it? Dick Grayson is in New York City and has a new lover, wealthy fashion designer Cheyenne Fremont. He leaves her apartment after a romantic night and she exhibits some super energy powers. She is a metahuman. The Pierce brothers are two brothers running crime in New York City. They are upset that this Nightwing character is cutting into their action. They are leaning on one of their gang who is short on his payments when Nightwing, Dick Nightwing, shows up ready to kick some behind. He punches one of the brothers... But the brother is a metahuman and can make his body like solid concrete when he focuses. Nightwing severely hurts his hand on his chin and gets thrown off a building for his trouble. Luckily, he is caught by the other Nightwing, who turns out to be Jason Todd. The Pierce brothers see the pair of Nightwings and start shooting at them. The two get away and when they're safe, they do some light sparring. Jason wants them to team up, but Dick refuses. The news media reports on the murderous Nightwing as he fights crime around the city. They say that he's been harassing the Pierce brothers. One of the brothers, Barry, is dating Cheyenne Fremont. Dick decides to visit Cheyenne at work to warn her about the brother. She's out of the office, but her employees mistake Dick for a fashion model. They dress him up as a caveman for a photo shoot when Cheyenne arrives. What? Yes, they do.
0: <laughs>
1: they decide he is perfect for the modeling gig. Of course. Of course. They are also working on Nightwing-themed clothing and get Dick geared up in the, in the clothes against his better judgment. One night, a truck is hijacked and Jason Nightwing shoots some of the hijackers. There's a fight, and Dick Nightwing shows up and tries to minimize the casualties by fighting his Bat-Brother. It's all caught on video, and the Pierce brothers watch on the TV news with a little gnarled old man named Jacob. Jacob realizes that one of the Nightwings is the real one, and the two know each other. Dick hits the catwalk in his fashion Nightwing getup. Jason is there in the audience and makes a scene. The two fight in front of everyone, who think it it is all part of a brilliant act. Dick wants to quit the modeling business. Cheyenne goes to his empty apartment and overhears Jason leaving a voicemail message, asking him to come out to superhero play with him. She knows now that Dick is Nightwing. Cheyenne finds Dick Nightwing, breaking up a robbery. One of the crooks runs out into the street and is almost hit by a car. Cheyenne uses her energy burst powers to stop the accident. Jacob finds Jason on a rooftop, and the little old man turns into a crazy bug monster and eats Jason. He turns back into a little old man and goes to visit the Pierce Brothers. He then turns back into a bug monster and pukes up Jason Todd. (laughs) Jason is trapped in a puke bubble that the Pierce brothers put on display next to others they have done this to before. Jason has 24 hours before the puke sack hardens and he suffocates to death. Lovely. Dick sees Jason's face on a milk carton and billboards telling him that he's missing. I remember those days. Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) Like Amber Alert for the... Yes, yes. He discovers that the Pierce brothers have Jason. He calls Cheyenne and tells her to stay away from the brothers. She shows up in a superhero costume, and the pair meets Jacob, who brings them to the Pierce brothers' hideout. They find Jason, but are unable to penetrate the sack. Jacob turns into the creature, and the three fight. Jacob eats Cheyenne, who... Inside him lets off a mighty energy burst, killing him. The Pierce brothers show up and say that Jacob, now dead, was the only one that could free Jason. Cheyenne shoots one of the brothers with, with an energy beam, but the one she, that she hits is a human too, and it reflects back to her. She gets a taste of her own medicine. Barry, the concrete one... goes to punch Cheyenne but hits the Jason sack instead freeing him. The team fights and wears down Barry. Jason finds he can now turn into a bug monster too and he eats Barry. Barry solidifies his molecules and Jason spits him out onto his brother. Barry's exhausted by all the effort and unable to concentrate. The team are now able to beat him into unconsciousness. His brother starts to grow and expand. Jason eats him. Eventually, he explodes somehow. The brothers are defeated, but apparently get away. Since Cheyenne relied on the wealthy Pierce brothers to back her fashion company, she is now broke. A man that can throw throw fireballs with his hands sets her building on fire. She's trapped in her office. Dick Nightwing sees her building on fire and races to her rescue. He swings in on a rope, saving her from the building collapse at the last moment. The now broken homeless Cheyenne moves in with Dick until she can get back on her feet. The pyro that set the fire is looking to get paid by the Pierce brothers, so far unsuccessfully. The firebug goes to the volatile younger Pierce brother. They don't want to pay because Cheyenne wasn't killed. But the firebug says that he wasn't paid to kill her just to set the fire and he demands double his money now. He sets Pierce on fire, uh, one of the Pierce brothers on fire, and keeps him burned. Nightwing shows up and beats the firebug for the arson at Cheyennes. They are suddenly surrounded by an armed SWAT team with guns pointed at them. Nightwing is able to evade their bullets and gets an assist by Arsenal. Now, I'm talking about the Roy Harper arsenal, not the British soccer team. They have, <laughs> Very good. They evade the heavy fire, and a helicopter is hit by the SWAT team's bullets. The helicopter catches fire and crashes and explodes into a building. Gotham is bathed in fiery havoc. The pair have escaped. The firebug has a name. He's called Fireball, and he has an apprentice. She's a young girl named Sparkplug no yes absolutely (laughs) she's got a little electricity in her he says (laughs) he sends her to one of the pierce brothers barry and gives him a note signed by cheyenne asking him to meet her at a restaurant the girl also gives cheyenne a note signed by barry presumably asking her to the same restaurant they both arrive and barry kisses her thinking that she asked for the rendezvous it was all a ruse by fireball Sparkplug has enough juice to, to shock Cheyenne into unconsciousness. Fireball goes to blast Barry with his flaming hands, but Nightwing arrives and interrupts the pyro. Cheyenne gets Barry out of the building. Barry curses the pair as they fly off. Cheyenne gets a job in Hollywood and leaves Dick Grayson behind. The end. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these words from some of our friends. When you talk about comics, does it sound something like this?
0: Look, you can't put the Superman number seventy sevens with the two hundreds. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number ninety eights with the three hundreds. Laurie the Mars hasn't even been introduced. Or maybe it sounds a little more like this. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? What are you cracked? Why not? I saw the other day he was carrying five elephants in one hand. Boy, you don't know nothing. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. Yeah, maybe you're right. It would be a good fight, though.
2: Hello. I am the constantly caffeinated Clinton Robinson, and my comics discussions can go to both extremes, but generally fall somewhere in between. On the Coffee and Comics Podcast, I will review comic stories and other comics-related topics that can be enjoyed over a cup of coffee. So pour the coffee, or other beverage of choice, and join me on the Coffee and Comics Podcast, available on iTunes and coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com.
1: Welcome back. So, Chris, what did you think about this story? Jerry, I don't know about you and the rest of our listeners,
2: but Do you ever come home and you get a few comic books to read and you sort of organize them by uh, the most one you're looking forward to to the least one you're looking forward to and just arrange them in a certain way? And then you come to the book where you didn't have a big anticipation for. Mm -hmm. You bought it. It's a title you've been faithful with. And you still pick it up because you like the characters. Then when you read it, you get maybe a few pages into it, and then you sort of lose interest. You become distracted, and then you set it aside. And then you think, well, okay, I'm going to read this later. Then you start to read it later, and you just think, um, I'm a little lost here. <laughs> I, 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 I This still isn't working for me. I, I just don't have the interest uh this is where this trade paperback fell for me. I, I tried to get into it. Um, I thought the chapter, which I think was Nightwing number 120, was very good. And I think this is something you're going to mention to notes because there was some interplay in the narrative between a supporting character and the villains Mm -hmm. and i thought this is a a chapter that really really worked very well but then all of a sudden i was lost again cheyenne who was a supporting character introduced here she should have been compelling and interesting Mm -hmm. she just didn't mesh with me the villains they should have been interesting but i found their appearance to be bland Mm -hmm. i thought the monster transformations was very Bruce Jones esque, if you will, because he's very, very accomplished in the, the bits with the monsters and the story. Mm-hmm. I like that we had the uh, Bridget Clancy character here in this, because if you're a huge uh, Nightwing Dick uh, Grayson fan, you know that uh, once upon a time she was his landlady when she when Dick moved to an apartment in Bloodhaven, mm-hmm. and he had a relationship with her for a short time, but they remained close friends. Jerry, <laughs> this this really just didn't work. And I'm trying yeah. to be fair with this. Um, I know Bruce Jones is a very talented writer. I don't think this was some of his best work. I thought the artwork forced me to be lost in some places. Mm-hmm. This I'm trying to think of a positive here. Let me ask you this um, before you get to your meat. I'm trying to think if this story – was told maybe ten years prior or twenty years prior. Would this have been more compelling? Mm-hmm. Am I faulting Jones for being maybe I don't know old? But this this didn't have the shock value because we've already become accustomed to a Gotham where there's metahumans running around and the transformation of these metahumans in, in having these displaying these powers or just morphing into weird fantastic characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas I should have been shocked as a reader. I just wasn't, (laughs) you know. Okay, so Jerry, I'm sorry, listeners, I was all over the place. Jerry, what were your initial thoughts?
1: Well, there's a couple things. Uh, So I totally agree with you about this story being confusing in some places. In my synopsis, I had to make some guesses to make this kind of, the story to hang together at all. There are at least two places, uh, particularly, you know, the two kind of peaks of the story where, uh, they're, where Dick is fighting the Pierce brothers. First, um, you know, the first time, uh, and I, I guess, they beat the Pierce brothers, but then they weren't arrested or anything. The Pierce brothers just went right back to work, just going right back to be the bad guys. And that was really confusing to me because I thought, oh, well, now they're captured and, you know, this, this part of the story is over. No, they're still back. And then at the end, uh, it was very confusing trying to figure out exactly what happened and who was doing what to who. And it was, it was kind of a muddle and it was unfortunate because it's at the two, highlights of the story the two you know peak of the action that you know uh, it, it was very confusing and if there are any listeners that are familiar with this story you know uh, feel free to say no that's not what happened this is what happened because i it was very difficult to untangle it absolutely
2: well, uh, here's some elements though that were sort of unique um, i think it's fair to say there is a lot of uh, fan love for the Dick Grayson character yep. uh more in recent years in the couple past two decades or so he's become across well I don't want to use this term of a sex symbol if you will but he's one of the more attractive male characters I think portrayed in the DC universe and here he I thought with having him becoming a model and just the circumstances with that was sort of an interesting notion uh-huh. and I thought one of the more be- more interesting elements of the story what did you think of that aspect of it
1: i think it was funny i think it was kind of a little bit of a gag because you know he's always you know you know he's so attractive he's such a handsome man you know and having him be a model i think the idea of that is fantastic but then to have him modeling nightwing gear i thought was maybe a step too far sure uh just you know he's Nightwing and now he's going to put on Nightwing clothes. And, you know, oh yeah, he looks just like him, you know, wink, wink. Uh, I just thought, and then having a fight with Jason on the catwalk, you know, all elements that uh, it was just this uh, a little bit of a bridge too far for me. What did you think about that part of it? It was a bit
2: of a stretch. And I think a lot was asked of the reader to just suspend their disbelief in some points um, with the character of, uh, Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, she's got the powers. Wait, you yeah. know she she couldn't she couldn't be just in and of it. It wasn't too much to ask that she was this successful fashion designer. Right. That wasn't enough. We they had to throw in some powers. It just wasn't enough that the Pierce brothers could just be villains on their own. No, they had to have uh, powers. They were metahumans too, right. and it just got to be so much overkill with a very little. <laughs> <laughs> sanity, you know, yeah. with, 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 with just any normal normal people in, in Dick's life. Everybody had to have a power, and it was it was just sort, sort of a reach, you know, uh, with that. I did like the inclusion of Arsenal. I thought there was some nice mm-hmm. banter there. There was some nice bits with an exchange between uh, uh, Nightwing and Dick, and then with, uh, oh gosh, my memory's going already, uh, clancy that there was some good stuff mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. where he was showing some some of his feelings there right out of the gate though and if you know something about the dick grayson character and with the recent stuff in the um, title of nightwing right now mm-hmm. there's a love scene right out of the gate uh mm-hmm. jerry did, did did it seem too graphic for you uh was was this uh dick being dick or did you think this was a little bit um hey hey guy you just got in new york and now you're you're having a a sleepover
1: yeah yeah it seemed uh it it wasn't graphic i don't think it was visually graphic but it was you know he's he's definitely out and about with cheyenne a couple of times and uh i don't know it's it's not what i read comic books for but uh just for folks to know that there are i think a couple of scenes of you know cheyenne and dick spending spending uh sexy times together so Uh, You know, depending on your tolerance for that, uh, right? I agree. This wasn't, yeah, this wasn't.
2: I would say graphic in the sense, you know, the, you know, that like that. Uh, If anything was graphic, I thought some of the violence that uh, was displayed was was a bit much with uh, with Jason here. This this was really a little bit over the top, and I think. I, this is a point I always try to bring up in the show. Every episode we do, would this be for kids or not? Mm-hmm. I would say this is this is not for uh, kids. I, I wouldn't. I would not say any kid with a single digit in their age would uh, yeah. not be a book for. Yeah.
1: Now you alluded to the Pierce brothers. You know, having powers and 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 I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I thought that. They were almost twins. They weren't twins. One was older than the other, uh, based on some of the dialogue, but they looked identical and, uh, their names were similar. One was Barry and I think, I forget the other one, Buddy, I think it was, something like that. They were only, they barely referred to their names. Uh, so you couldn't tell which one had which power. Uh, the powers just kind of manifested, you know, Luckily, because, you know, Dick's going to punch him and oh, he can make himself into concrete and then Cheyenne's going to blast the other one with the electro. Oh, well, he can sh- he can shoot the electricity back to her. I mean, it just seemed random, um, kind of like just because the plot needed it. And the, the pair almost seemed interchangeable, except for the fact that, you know, Cheyenne was dating one of them, Barry, I guess. Um, right. They just seemed like you could swap them and it wouldn't make any difference.
2: Oh, I absolutely agree. The Pierce brothers didn't seem to have any distinguishing features that set one apart. They were, they were always drawn to be uh, similar and, and have the similarities and wearing the same clothes and looking the same in appearance. Mm-hmm. You just could not tell who was who. Uh, there was no byplay. The one didn't seem to be any more prowess. Like you said, one dated, uh, Cheyenne, which sort of gave him some Distinguishing thing, but if you, you know, if you put the two of them together, you you, you, you sat on a table, pick which is which, you couldn't tell. You know, yeah. I mean, this was a, you know, that was that and, was, uh, and
1: then with, with the two Nightwings, then that became con- confusing. Which Nightwing is this? Is it Dick Nightwing? Is it Jason Nightwing? It and in our last uh, podcast when we had the Catwoman situation, there was two Catwomen, but that was handled well. That was clear who was who at least. Uh, In this case, it was not clear ever who you were looking at. Jerry, I'm glad you brought
2: that up, because that's one thing I meant to put in my notes, and I made a mental note of it. I just did not get that on my sheet, because you have Jason Nightwing running around more violent. You have the Dick Nightwing running around more violent, and they appear to be similar in appearance, close in age, whereas, you know, Dick... Was already kind of established, and you know has to have at least a few years on Jason, and and now they appear to be you know very close contemporary in age. And this was, this did not just jive well for me. I always think Dick is somewhat older, somewhat more of a different look and appearance, and not to be some type of uh, interchangeable clone, which right. was uh, how they looked here. You know, then I, I was very turned off by that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Now there were some interesting scenes, I think, that you alluded to before. There was a scene with Jacob and the Pierce brothers and Jason and, uh, and, and Clancy, and they were talking about Jason. And it was going kind of flashing back and forth between scenes with very similar dialogue. And it, my first read through it, was, I was confused. I, you know, who's saying what? what's happening here? But as I went through it a couple of times, I, I figured out what they were doing, and I really appreciated it. I, I thought it was well done there were a lot of confusing elements in this book and that could have added to it, but I think that this particular thing was well done. Did you did you experience that too? Oh, absolutely. And I think this was in issue number 120.
2: This was probably my favorite part of the book. And I don't know if I'm doing it justice as trying to describe it to the listener, but there was a narrative where Nightwing and Clancy are having an exchange mm-hmm. and then you get these sort of ellipses in conversation and then the scene shifts to jacob and the pierce brothers picking up their train of thought in a different location but having the same flow of narrative and giving the story an exposition to move it along and then when the pierce brothers stop you get the ellipses then the scene shifts back again to clancy and nightwing again Mm -hmm. and you have the exchange and it's flowing very very seamlessly and i thought it was a very effective use of storytelling right there i agree i agree it definitely worked well
1: now i have a quibble I'm going to bring up a quibble in this story. So uh, Nightwing, you know, when he's when he's uh, surrounded by the SWAT team, that how could, you know, Dick's a pretty savvy guy. Dick's got pretty good skills. How could a SWAT team get in position all around him without him hearing them? You know, I mean, it was kind of set up for a cliffhanger for... For the end of one of the issues, but I mean, really, that was just really ridiculous to me.
2: I found it very absurd, and I don't know what happened from page to transitioning this to artwork, but just the way it was depicted and presented to me as a reader, I almost felt it insulted with, Mm -hmm. with this and how it came about, but... There was a lot to really kind of uh, scratch your head about. So why should this matter? <laughs> That's I mean, you know, I, I had a lot of I had a lot of problems with this story overall. And then and Jerry, that
1: that was a good point, and this was certainly one of them for me. Yeah. So now, something you know, we, in this story, we see Arsenal. Uh, you have a little background on Arsenal? So for folks that may not be uh, aware of him.
2: Yeah, Arsenal Roy Harper, uh, the ward of Oliver Queen. His rapport with Robin goes, dates back to, I think, way back in Teen Titans number four in the mid-60s was when Speedy joined the Teen Titans. And he always had the banter. Roy was always the more brash one of the group. He was always the one who was trying to woo Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, to say, yeah, let's split up. I'll go with Donna, and we're going to go over here. You guys go and take off by yourself. Don- he was always the more, a little more abrasive one. If anybody wanted to shoehorn in his action, he was always the more vocal one. Then you came into the early uh, '70s with the uh, drug use in the uh, right. Daniel O'Neil, Neil Adams issues, where we found out that uh, he was a drug addict, and then he was coping with the skills, and they had the falling out with Oliver Queen not being around, and. Just, you know, seeing uh, Dinah as more of a caring figure in his life than Oliver was, and he was such a deep character. I, I, I liked that we, he got some solo stories in the 80s in the Action Comics Weekly, and he always had that rapport with Dick, and they they had a lot of relatable similar traits and their backgrounds and growing up you know with uh, the sidekicks you know and then the coping with the adulthood so it was nice to see him here he then adopted the uh, arsenal handle and you know he did his thing you know he had a relationships so i think he was you know portrayed with the uh, as a as a single dad you know uh for a while in the uh, early 2000s maybe it was the 90s even before that so yeah great great character and then the inclusion in the exchange here was oh, Very nice touch, but a little bit too brief, and that would have been nice to
1: have seen a little bit more of that. It would have been if he was worked into the story a little more. Yeah, that would have been Mm -hmm. great. Absolutely. So based on – you know, how would you rate this story? Well, Jerry, I tell you, I held off, but let me go back to uh,
2: what I was going to say. Uh, Now, over on Amazon, this rating got a a one-and-a-half stars out of five. And let me toss out some quotes to you with respect to some of the reviews. Quote, The worst Night Ring story I have ever read. Wow. Quote, disappointing. Quote, so bad. And quote, avoid this book as though as if your life depended on it. (laughs) Ouch. Wow. You know, that hurts. You know, I don't think it was that bad. Uh, I thought the covers by Jock were outstanding. Mm -hmm. The art – Unfortunately, it did just. I was I was lost in some places. And for a comic book, as a huge comic book fan as I am, if the writing and the art don't gel and it's just not holding my interest, I, I simply can't recommend it. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because I know Bruce Jones is a great, great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and while I get while I'm on the subject of Bruce Jones, let me recommend this because I am not going to recommend this book, and I'm going to probably won't let, give this a rating of two out of five, wow. but. But if you want some great Bruce Jones writing material, because I really think – I don't want to sound short on this podcast. If you are a fan of the horror comics genre, I implore you to look for the back issues of Twisted Tales, mm-hmm. which was published by Pacific Comics. I did some online research. I don't know if you your comic style – comic store is going to have these back issues on hand they might have an issue here or there but do yourself a favor and if you are if you like horror comics in the least i mean you've never f- familiar yourself with uh twisted tales please go and check them out you there there are a number of online vendors who have these at very affordable prices this is an anthology these are uh each issue will have, have uh two to three stories in them and you're going to be blown away trust me on this and yeah, while I'm in the favor of recommending things that is the holidays, check out Batman Annual too, if you really want a great read for something, and this is something, you know, I, I don't want to go off the board, but here I am doing it. But okay. Batman Annual 2, which yeah was written by Tom King, which was the Batman Catwoman uh, story with them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil too much. And unfortunately, depending on what part of the country you live in, this book may have sold out already. The good news is it is going to go to a second printing. So my recommendations would be Bruce Jones' Twisted Tales by Pacific Comics. Great horror stuff. And if you want something a little more recent, check out Batman Annual t- 2. My rating for this, unfortunately, I'm going to...
1: Yeah. Those are great recommendations. That Batman Manual 2 was amazing.
2: Yes. So I'm going to go for this particular trade, though, for uh, Brothers in Blood, just two out of five. How about you, Jerry?
1: Excuse me. I think I would go a little higher. I would go maybe two and a half, uh, just because getting the introduction to Arsenal, uh, seeing Clancy, I like to see... I thought their interchange was interesting. Uh, I tried to see the modeling thing as uh, I, I kind of intellectually made the decision to see it as fun instead of stupid. Um, but there are some severe plot problems in the story. I would go uh, two and a half, maybe a little higher than you, uh, but I, I thought that there was a really great moment where uh, Dick was talking to Clancy and Dick was realizing that he uh, why he broke up with uh, Barbara Gordon and why he didn't think that he was really good enough for her. And I thought that was a really good moment. That uh, Just give me, I, I like the two of them together. I like stories that at least touch on them. So I'll give it a little higher, two and a half. But I would not recommend this, and I uh, do not think it is a must-read. I don't think for any reason. It doesn't really push any characters forward um, in any uh, important way.
2: Yeah, I would say if you're trying to do some type of uh, feature article where you're looking for uh, all the loves of Dick Grayson, you know, this is certainly going to be an asterisk and uh, a chapter in his life with the Cheyenne character who I think deserved a little bit more than this. You know, uh, she – she, this is something I wanted – this is a character I was really trying to root for, you know, with her background. We haven't really seen somebody with this as a profession and somebody with uh, – was it ever – explored as to where her powers came from i I don't i don't think so i don't think so i would have liked to gotten some background this this could have been this could have been an interesting character in the dcu but uh, just never really got a chance to shine or uh explored it
1: anyway it's it's unfortunate another lost thread another lost thread okay so i think that's what we have to say about this story you have anything else to cover on it
2: no, I think you covered it, I, but I will say this. Uh, if we can move over to our feedback section, ah, you know, yes. last last episode, we really didn't get a lot, but, you know, we were over the holiday. This time, we got some feedback, and I really appreciate this. Now, over on the TBU website, Ian Miller chimed in. Thank you very much, Ian. Ian wrote in to say, with our last uh, podcast, "'Nice handling of a controversial and frustrating storyline. It feels like the whole bat line went into a decline, leading into War Games.'" And all these stories may have had some good ideas, but are marred by really strange story choices. Well, thanks for chiming in, Ian. We really appreciate that. Now, directly from email, we heard from Darren Sutherland, mm-hmm. who is a friend of our show.
0: Yes.
2: Darren wrote in to say, Hi, Chris and Jerry. I loved your discussion of the Catwoman story in the latest episode. So much background that I didn't know. I could really appreciate the dilemma of what worked and what didn't work in the Story thanks to your great conversation. Very different ratings from the two of you. It's terrific that you can provide such great discussion while having such differing opinions. I was intrigued by the film references used in the story. It reminded me of a favorite TV series of ours, which is Remington Steel with Stephanie Zimblist and Pierce Brosnan, who often solve the mysteries by finding the connection of to classic films. It was always a fun show, I agree. During continues, I really appreciated the references to Aquaman Sub Diego, which I agree is a great story arc. There was even a reference to the Lone Wolf and Cub in the episode. You two are just referring to a lot of favorite things in this episode. Well, thanks. I think we speak the same language. That's really appreciative. Darren continues, I also appreciated hearing the reference to the Double Page Spread podcast in the show. I'm happy you tried it out and liked it. Yay. Take care, friends. Signed, Darren. Darren also tweeted us. Listening to the episode reminded me of hashtag Remington Steel who solved crime using film references. Maybe Film Creek would have made a better villain on that series. Yeah, and I agreed. Sure. So that was really nice. So thank you very much for chiming in and writing us. We really sincerely appreciate the feedback.
1: Yep. Thank you, Darren. So Batbooks for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network of podcasts. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast – everyone loves the drake batgirl the oracle and so many more if you like what we offer please consider donating to us at the tbu patreon account you can find a link to our patreon account on the batmanuniverse.net website now chris you are out on twitter aren't you Yes, thank
2: you very much, Jerry. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, folks, at the handle bt on batbooks Over on Twitter, I like to put out a Saturday morning salute where I'll put a TV listing of your. For December, I've been posting holiday covers and toys of yore that I remember and just some wacky things that I found online, which I
1: kind of like to share. Jerry, can the listeners find you on Twitter as well, my friend? Yes, they sure can. You can get me at Professor Frenzy. That's Professor Frenzy, where I cover My favorite DC books. I do some Dark Shadow tweeting, uh, indie comics, and of course, we uh, Chris and I both do some live tweeting on Saturday nights on MeTV, where we uh, live tweet a Spenguli movie. Last night was a lot of fun.
2: Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. I I was really blown away. I I had forgotten that movie. Then this was what the Mummy's Curse that aired last night. You know, yeah, that was an interesting one. I I really, you know, I I knew I'd seen it, and then when the they brought on the the uh, woman from the old uh, coffee commercials. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> go, oh, yeah, that was her. That was her way back. Yeah, yeah Mrs. Olsen. This yeah. the Holmes yeah. commercial, right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes. And I go, now I know where I've seen this movie from before. Yeah. yeah Jerry, cool. I can't let this go because I've enjoyed reading your reviews over on the BatmanUniverse.net. Now, currently, one of the things you're reviewing is Batgirl Birds of Prey, which I'm really enjoying the current story arc. Mm-hmm. And the intriguing... Matchup of Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
2: You You know, know. and the last issue kind
1: of uh, did an uptick for you, did it not? It really did. The first two issues, I had a lot of problems with, but this—it seems like they've gotten—they've worked their way through some of the, some of the plot kind of problems and have sorted it out. And I really enjoyed the last issue very much. So. things are looking up for harley and ivy meet betty and veronica i'm a big uh i I really love what the archie universe is doing too and of course harley and ivy are some of my favorite characters and uh just this this should be the the kind of center of my wheelhouse and i'm hoping it's getting there so fingers crossed
2: Absolutely. So if you want to check out those re- written reviews, please go over to the BatmanUniverse.net and look for Jerry's uh, written articles for those reviews for those titles.
1: Awesome stuff. Thank you. And Chris, mm-hmm. you're also doing some uh, some work over on uh, Batgirl to Oracle podcast, aren't you?
2: Thanks for bringing it up, Jerry.
1: Yeah, you
2: can also find me on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast, Celebrity. Sell- Stella is celebrating her 8th anniversary, and that episode is going to drop very, very shortly. In fact, it's going to drop before this episode drops. So I think it's going to be a two-parter. She's going to have uh, her usual guests, Donovan and Josh, who always celebrate her anniversary shows. This is her 8th anniversary. It's going to be spectacular. Go please listen to Batgirl to Oracle. Over there, you can find me. I'm going to be reviewing the Batman Adventures comic that ran in the 1990s based on Batman the Animated Series. Love it.
1: Love it. I can't wait to hear that. I, I love what you did last time with it, and uh, uh, it's just really terrific hearing your reviews over there. They're they're fantastic. Well, thanks. I sincerely appreciate it. Okay. So now we have uh, other friends that we, we've been doing a lot of uh, uh, talking with back and forth. One of them is uh, The Cosmic Treadmill with uh, Chris Sheehan, who's on Twitter, at Ace Comics, and Reggie Reggie, that's at Reggie Reggie on Twitter. Now, Chris and Reggie discussed classic comics, uh, in, in fantastic detail. And they just recently, uh, did a re, re, uh, uploaded one for an older one that they did with sugar and, and spice. Uh, that was hysterical. That was so funny. Oh my gosh. Insane, insane. So, uh, I definitely, I think we both, uh, Chris and I both love, love Cosmic treadmill and we recommend that wholeheartedly. Uh, Another uh, group of friends, of course, are the Sutherlands, Uh, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, who do a number of Terrific podcast and a new one, isn't that right, Chris?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Jerry. Just moments, literally moments before Jerry and I recorded this show, yeah. the Sutherlands dropped a new podcast. It was called Sensational Sleuths. I didn't even find it on my iTunes feed. I found it over on Podbean, and it was a. It wasn't too long, but they uh, what they're going to do over there is cover fictional detectives of your and this can be in any genre. And there were some. I I I'd fancy myself a fictional detective. A comics fan and there were some i didn't even heard of so i am really looking forward to the show i know the first episode is going to look at sherlock holmes future episodes they're going to look at banachek they're going to look at uh, hercule perot they're going to look yeah isn't it though and just you name it they're going to cover it i heard it and jerry believe it or not we had the honor of uh bad books for beginners being the very first promo uh. on their show so darren and ruth we can't thank you enough. We're very, very thrilled to have that honor. And I wish you, we wish you huge success for your new podcast. This is going to be great and it's going to complement your other shows tremendously, which is Warlord Worlds, which looks at the Mike Grell uh, artwork, Xenozoic Xenophiles, which examines Mark Schultz in the Cadillac to Dinosaur series, Trekker Talk, which looks at Ron Randall's outstanding Trekker. So, yeah, another, another fine, Uh, podcast to add to your already great great shows so listeners please check out sensational sluice you heard it here sensational (laughs) sluice that is an awesome show i heard the first first episode literally just before we came on to record great great show so do yourself a favor yep bat books for beginners two thumbs up yes two (laughs) thumbs up for sensational sluice absolutely
1: fantastic. yeah okay so do we have anything else yeah, we did also get some likes and
2: retweets more so on this, our more recent episode. We uh, got some from, let's see, we had Steve Sellers at Shadewing. We also heard likes and retweets from the Batman Universe at Batman Universe, Joe Crawford at J3K underscore C, Jeffrey Brown at uh, TSU. J-I-G-O I think it's Su- Chujigo uh, Scorpio Tiger a new one Scorpio Tiger 77 at Scorpio Tiger 77 Paul Shanley at Paul Shanley The Daredevil Domain thank you very much The Daredevil Domain at Daredevil Domain Dark Knight Minute at Dark Night Men thank you once again Rodrigo Lorenzo at Rodrigo Lorenzo L Stella at Batgirl to Oracle hey thanks Stella appreciate oh, that, that nice? yeah we also uh, had Oh Hi Doggy at Wookie Chuckles chime in Kristen Clark at Chris Doodle 79, Adil Syed at Frozen Gothamite, Robert Lewis at Rob Lewis 1157, Jeffrey Hunter at Jeff Hunt 349 and Svensivir at Petrohold 10. And if I left you out, I apologize. We had so many, many likes and retweets with our uh, last episode that I simply just couldn't keep up. And if I left you out, my sincere and deepest apologies. Please drop me a line on Twitter, and I will be sure to correct that and mention you on our next show.
1: Yeah, thank you, everybody. So that's all Chris and I have for today. Please join us in two weeks where Chris and I will cover another great Bat Family magazine. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners.
0: Was at Carmine Street looking for a Bat Book. I'd heard on Bat Books for Beginners. Got a trade, Jerry and Chris got me hooked. I heard it on Bat Books for Beginners Wahoo, Bat Books for Beginners Wahoo He's the Cape and Cal Gen Bruce Wayne, not Clark Kent Patrolling the streets of Gotham He's the enemy of sin Like Joker and Penguin You should meet his butler Wahoo fat books for beginners wahoo fat books for beginners